Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Tonight as we open this Bible to be able to read and to study and to know what is this mark that we dare not receive because if we do, we will be lost. Father, each one of us accept the gift of your eternal life because we want to exist forever. Please, Father, show us tonight so that we will never, ever make a choice that will lead us to no existing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight as we begin, I want you to look over in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And many people misunderstand and think they know what the mark of the beast is. If you go down the street and just ask people, you'll be surprised that the majority of them will tell you the mark is 666. Okay? But if we look at Revelation chapter 13, and we read in verse 17, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark. What's the next thing there? A comma, or, now believe me, commas were put in later, so not inspired. But it says, or the name of the beast, comma, what? Or the number of his name. So there's one of three things. We can get the name of the beast itself, we can get the number of the beast, or we can get the mark of the beast. Now, a lot of people would not be fooled by 666 because Satan has pushed this number so much that there are so many people watching the number to make sure they don't get it, even being careful what they buy because, you know, the barcode can equal 666. And, you know, we want to be careful with computers because there's a computer in Belgium, you know, that they're talking about. And what is Satan doing? You know, the Bible describes Satan as a lion, You know how a lion hunts? A lion will go out in a central location and let out this blood-curdling roar. And all the animals take off right into the mouths of the lioness. What is Satan doing? He is trying to get people to run in every direction and think they have what's going on. It's a terrible thing, folks. But the Bible says there's three. Many people will not be fooled to become a member of this church. Okay? And they won't take the number. But what about the mark? Is Satan really clever? Let's take a look and see. This beast that is described in Revelation 13, verse 1 And I stood upon the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority. Now as we look at this, We studied these four great beasts back in Daniel on Friday night, you know, a week ago. 
And we discovered all four of these beasts, what John sees is them combining together as a union in one. Do we see that? Now, in this union, we begin to see Jesus made this comment. Now, some people even say that the leader of the first church was Peter. In the Bible, it says the leader of the first church was James. It's in Acts. You can find it there. Okay. What was Jesus talking about when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church? Peter's name comes from a Greek name or from an Aramaic name, meaning pebble. Are you with me? A little stone. But the question that he asked the disciples is, who do the people say I am? And he listened to what they'd said. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter, you know, being the loud mouth that he was, immediately said, thou art the son of God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, what rock? He's the Son of God. He is the rock of salvation. Does that make sense? Upon this rock I will build my church. And he did bring forth his first Christian church. By the way, it was called Catholic. Catholic simply means universal. That's all the word means. Are you with me? So now there was three choices. You could be pagan and worship the sun. Or you could be Jewish and worship in the Jewish temple. Or you could follow Jesus, okay, later known as Christians, okay? They used to be known as those that were in the way. I've met some people today that when I go into the Christian church, I think they're in the way too. But that's probably why God doesn't make me judge, amen? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we discover this. I want to remind you just a little something from what we learned on Friday night. The letters on the Pope's crown is Vicarious Filii Dei, which is Latin for Vicar of the Son of God, which means substitute. Vicar simply means substitute. That's all the word means. Remember we read and studied that according to the Catholic Church, it has the good housekeeping seal of approval directly from the Vatican. What did Mary say? Now, let's just stop before I ask that question. Is it really Mary who's appearing to the Catholic Church? Who is it? Satan or his angels. Amen. Spirits performing miracles. Where's Mary? She's sleeping, waiting for her son to say, come on, mom, get up. It's time to go home. Amen. So why would the devil tell the truth? The devil's not opposed to the truth as long as the truth benefits him. See, understand, the devil knows this Bible better than all of us. The devil knows, it says, this everlasting gospel will be preached to every nation, kindred, tongue, language throughout the world. He can't stop it. So how does he fix it? He presents the truth with just a little twist. Does that make sense? How many of you would knowingly drink a glass of arsenic? Huh? No, not really, right? But, you know, if you drank a glass of orange juice that had enough arsenic in it to kill you, but you didn't know it, 
you could be tempted to drink the orange juice. Amen? This is what Satan's doing. Satan takes the truth and just twists it enough to confuse people. What did Satan say? 1991, because of the great apostasy, they will follow the anti-church and the anti-pope into perdition. The devil's saying this. Why? The Bible says this is what's going to happen. As we look at this, we want to understand, remember, if you were Lutheran, who did they identify the beast as? The Roman papacy, didn't they? And if you were Presbyterian, who did they identify this power as? The Roman Pontifate, the Roman papacy. If you were, you know, Methodist in John's book of the commentary on the Bible, he identified it as the papacy. Roger Williams, the first Baptist pastor in America, on his first sermon he preached, who did he identify it as? The Roman Pope or the Roman Papacy. Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, who did she identify as this power? The Roman Papacy. So we discovered something that regardless of which church you belong to, according to the church itself, we are all in the same boat understanding that the Roman papacy is the power that is described in the book. Now, I want you to notice there's a key word. Did anybody catch it? Roman papacy. When Jesus first brought his church front, it was the universal Christian church or the Catholic church. Later, it became known as the Roman Catholic Church. Do you understand the term, the draw between? I'll show you history so it'll make sense to you. Where did the problem come? When Rome came into the church. That's where the problem came from, immediately. As we look at this, does the Bible agree with the churches? We studied it out. Yes, the Bible agreed. Mary and the Catholics said it'll be the next one, and the other churches well said, technically you've been doing it since the year 538. But they all agreed. So if we know who this power is, and we know that the leader of this power, the position as the leader, has a number. What is it? 666. We know the name of it. What's the name of it? The Roman Catholic Church. Now, please don't go out of here and find some poor Catholic Church member and tell them they're going to hell because they're a Roman Catholic. I didn't say that, and the Bible didn't say that. There are many of God's people that are in the Roman Catholic Church. You don't want to miss the second angel and the fourth angel's message on Thursday night. It'll be very clear to you. And I'm going to tell you something. There will be thousands come out of her. I'm going to tell you that. Why? They really are God's people. They really are. They just don't know any better right now but it'll go to the entire world. Nobody can ignore it. As we discover something, this beast, the churches in the Bible all agree it is the Roman Catholic Church. <clears throat> Remember what Satan said? 
I will be like God. Everybody's going to worship me. <coughs> now, did he expect everybody to just start in worshiping? No, he's too clever for that. He knows that people wouldn't. And so he says, it's going to take time, and I must plan carefully. Tonight you're going to be very surprised at some of his plans. Rome was what? Pagan. Paganism. They worshipped the pagan gods, the sun god, okay? And they were completely pagan. You know, people have gone to the Vatican and actually kissed the toe off of this statue three times. It's supposed to be the statue of St. Peter. However, you will find the exact same identical statue in Greece, in Athens, and I'll bet you can't guess what the title is there. Jupiter. Exact same statue. Where did it come from? Paganism. You understand that? The worship of the sun god or Satan. After the flood, everybody at that time spoke how many languages? Just one language. And they began to build this large tower. Why were they going to build this tower? A lack of faith. God said, he says, I put a sign in the sky, I'll never do it again. But they didn't believe him. So what did they do? They decided they were going to build something. Just in case God didn't keep his promise, they can escape. Did that please God? No, when he saw their lack of faith, he came down and confused their languages. And they went off speaking different languages all over the world. And those that went in different parts of the world, guess what? In their language, they took their worship of, guess who? The sun god. That's how it spread all over the world. It was that simple. Now, when we begin to look at this, I want to give you a Hebrew lesson tonight. In the old Hebrew language, the creator's name was Yahuwah. The word who became flesh was Yahusha. And what did that mean? Yahuwah's Savior. That's exactly what the word means. We also discover El or Elohim means mighty one or our mighty one or my mighty one. So we would say Yahuwah Elohim, which means our mighty one. In addition, the Creator had how many days? Seven days. And he set aside one day that we would remember he was the Creator. And he himself said it would be a sign between me and my people. Isn't that right? Well, now we look at the sun got, G-O-T-T, or later translated G-O-D, God. All right? And we discover something in relationship to the sun god. All the pagan gods are only different powers of the same sun. They had many names because of many different languages. We had in Babylon, Baal, meaning Lord, or my mighty one. We had Moloch, and we had Dagon, and Solus, and Meriduk, and Mistress, Krishna, Balder. We had Amun-Ra, Odin, Zeus, and so on. Does those names sound familiar? The son of the sun god was known as Tammuz, Bacchus. Have you ever seen those signs in a Christian church, IHS? Refers directly to the son of a sun god. What is it doing in a Christian church? 
You ever ask that? Maybe you didn't know, so why ask, right? But it is a pagan symbol that represents the son of the sun god. And of course, we also go on, some of you probably heard some of these, you know, Thor, Donder, Jesus. All these were same names of either the god or the sun god. Now, the sun god also had days. Now, the number one god was the sun god. So the first day became known as sun's day or later on Sunday. The second day was named after the sun god's wife, Mona, or Mona's day, later known as Monday. That's when you want to say, my name is Ramona. (laughs) The third day is named after our god of war, Two or Tuesday. The fourth day was named after the Celtic god, which was known as Wooden or Wooden's Day, later known as Wednesday. The fifth day is the name of the god of our son of our god, Thor, or Thor's Day, later Thursday. The sixth day is named after Wooden's wife, Frigga, or Frigga's Day, or Friday. The seventh day is named after our god of agriculture, Satyrus, or Satyrus Day. So God had how many days? Seven. Seven days. Did God ever name the days? Nowhere in the Bible. Where did the names come from? Paganism. You understand? That's where the names came from. Paganism. It's that simple. Was there any confusion of which day was first day, second day, third day, fourth? No. After all, the first day belongs to the first God, the Son. As we look at this, we begin to see The pagans concealed the true name of the sun god from the common people. For example, Baal was called by his meaning, Lord. Even the creator's people started doing the same for fear of using his name in vain. According to the Talmud, or the oral law, and there are dark mixtures of Kabbalistic influence as well, spiritualism, pronouncing the name is blasphemy. Now, this is a commandment of men. Is it blasphemy to pronounce God's name? No. no. I'm going to tell you something else. Now we get people arguing over what name to use. Satan doesn't care what we argue about as long as we argue. Amen? As long as you know you're worshiping the Creator, and the Creator's name was the Word, and He became flesh, and we know Him as Jesus, There's only one name given unto heaven whereby we can be saved, and that name is Jesus. What was his name originally? Yahusha. What did that mean? God's Savior. That's all it meant. Now, if you want to argue about it, don't argue with me, because, listen, I just want to make sure I'm worshiping the Creator. Amen? You can call him whatever you want. As we find, though... Yahuwah became Yahweh, later Jehovah, and Yahusha became known as Yahshua, or later Joshua, and into the New Testament, Jesus. Elohim became known as Adonai, meaning Lord. 
Now remember our prophecy that we studied on night two, the 2,300 days, and 490 years was allotted to the Jewish people. And in A.D. 34, what happened? Their 490 years ended, and Jesus started with the new church, and they went to the Gentile people. Remember, Paul is converted and sent to the who? Gentiles. To win the Gentiles to Yahusha, translations of the scripture were made substituting pagan names. Why? They would automatically recognize it as a deity. Do you understand? So they didn't have to explain about Yahusha. When they changed it, it became God. Did they know that God was somebody to be worshipped? Of course. And Elohim became Lord. They were already used to that. Yahusha became Jesus. By the way, sounds an awful lot like Zeus, doesn't it? Anyway, anointed one became known as Christ. Do you recognize any of these names? Where did they come from? The translation in being able to reach our Gentile brothers and sisters. All right? And so they didn't have to explain some things. When they went in and started talking about God the Father, they recognized they ought to worship God. When they started talking about His Son, Jesus, they recognized they ought to worship the Son of God. So it made really good sense. Do you understand? Nothing was being done, you know, as some kind of a, um, you know, uh, scheme. They were truly trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. Now, I want to go back to the year 300. Now, prior to 300, the church that Jesus brought forth was known as the Universal Christian Church or the Catholic Church. Are you aware? All right. Now, understand how clever Satan is. Constantine was the Roman emperor. The Roman emperor was known as God. He was the son in the human form. He was also the Pontifus Maximus, which means he was the head dude of the whole thing. Nobody could question what he said. Then he decided to become a Christian. And the reason he decided to become a Christian was because he was killing thousands of them and every time he killed one, ten more came back. And he just wasn't defeating them. So he figured out, well, if I can't beat him, I might as well join him. And so he, be, he professed Christianity. And it wasn't too long after he professed Christianity, he didn't like this idea of each bishop in each territory, you know, leading people. He decided, I'm the bishop of all bishops, all of you will answer to me. Later known as the Pope. Okay? He also added another name, Vicarius Christe, or substitute for Christ. If he is God, he could also be the substitute for the Son of God. Amen? Now, where did it come from? A pagan who moved into the church, and it wasn't but about 200 years later, it became the Roman Catholic church. This is why most of Christendom 
go back and date this all the way back to 538, okay, when Emperor Justinia moved to Constantinople and gave the authority to the Pope. The name had changed, and lots of things had changed with it. As we begin to see this, he put in place of the Creator seven days, the name of their God's days. He changed them. A matter of fact, Constantine, in the year 321, passed the first Son's Day law. He said all must keep the Son's Day, making it illegal to Judaize. Judaizers were those who worshipped the Creator on the seventh day. How far back does this go? Over 1,700 years ago. Are you with me? Why don't people question it today? Because, folks, if you've been doing it for 1,700 years, why would you question it? Does that make sense? But where did it come from? Paganism. From a Roman emperor who called himself God. (laughs) The Son was the foremost God in heathendom, hence the church, the Catholic church, would seem to have said, keep the old pagan name Sunday or the day of the sun. Catholic world, page 809. The Roman or Babylon. We find also, it, Sunday, shall remain consecrated, sanctified, and thus the pagan Sunday, dedicated to Balder, the sun god, became the first, the, became the Christian Sunday, sacred to who? Jesus. And where is it from? Babylon. And in, if you look over in Peter, it talks about Peter writing from, guess what? From Babylon to the other churches. What did they call Rome? Babylon. That's what it was called originally. Sunday is founded not on the scriptures, but on tradition. And is distinctly a Catholic institution. This goes all the way back, all the way back to 1893. And... and Is it really a Catholic institution? It's a pagan institution. It became Catholic. You may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. James Cardinal Gibbons, from a pamphlet that he wrote called The Faith of Our Fathers, page 89. Pretty bold, isn't it? Anybody here tonight could use $10,000. I mean, real money now. This is honest to God money. All you got to do is answer one question and you can claim the money and they'll give it to you. What's the question? The papacy says, you tell me that Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath, but that the Christian Sabbath has been changed to Sunday. Changed? But by whom? Who has the authority to change an express commandment of Almighty God? You are a Protestant. You profess to go by the Bible and the Bible only. Yet, in so important a matter as worshiping the Creator on His seventh day Sabbath, you go against the plain letter of the Bible and put another day in the place of that which He has commanded. The commandment to keep holy the seventh day is one of the Ten Commandments. You believe the other nine are still binding. Who gave you the right to disobey the fourth? This is a question I do not know how you can answer. 
we will pay you $10,000 for one Bible text to show that you have the right to disobey God and keep Sunday without being a member of the Catholic Church. For we change the day of worship. That's bold, isn't it? By the way, that's from the Library of Christian Doctrines, Burns and Oates, page 3 and 4, on file in London, Ontario, Canada, and the money is deposited in the Canadian Bank in London, Ontario. It's yours. Just come up with a text. However, they've been offering this thing for almost 60 years. Now, with all of these people that are out there, you would think some theologian would have collected the money, don't you? Huh? But it's not there. That's why they ain't collected yet. All right? But maybe you'll find it, okay? We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity or holiness from Saturday to Sunday. Question. Have you any other way of proving that the church has the power to institute festivals and precepts? Answer. Had she not such power, she could not have done that in which all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority, and that comes from the doctrinal catechism by Stephen Keenan. That's what the Catholics go by as the doctrinal catechism. Let's say tonight you were going to be converted to Catholic. Okay? You would be required to go to catechism class. All right? And you would study the catechism. I'm going to read to you here in a minute what that says. The authority of the church could not therefore be bound to the authority of the scriptures because the church had changed Sabbath to Sunday, not by the command of Christ, but by its own authority, Canon and Traditions, page 263. Now here's the book you would be required to study if you went to catechism class. In this book, written by Reverend Peter Germain, question, which day is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the holiness from Saturday to Sunday. And by the way, would you like to guess which commandment they're discussing here? No, it's the third commandment. Remember, number two was done away with. Hello. You look in this, it's talking about what does the third commandment call? This is what it's talking about. Wow. Of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change was her act and that the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority in religious matters. Now, look at that. The act is a what? Of her ecclesiastical power and authority. What is the mark of the beast? Well, remember, beast equals what? Kingdom. And we know that this kingdom is the Vatican kingdom. And it is a mark of our authority. The church is above the Bible, and the transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Catholic record. Sunday is our what? Mark of authority. Now, if we know the number, which represents the head of the church and the head of the beast, and if we know the name, Roman Catholic, 
All we have to do is ask them what's their mark. Hello? Are you with me? And they're proud of it, folks. They don't hide it one bit. You know? Remember what Jesus said? You got it in your last lesson. In what? Do they worship me keeping for the commandments of men? You know, I want to go on record again. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Are we saved by a day? No. If we keep one, we keep it because we love Jesus. There can be no other reason. And I believe that when Jesus comes to take his people home, there will be more people caught up to meet him in the air that kept Sunday than kept Saturday. Why? They kept Sunday believing it to be. I've even had people that have referred to Sunday as the Sabbath. Maybe you've heard them do that too. Yeah, they, they've, Sunday is the Sabbath. They don't question it at all. And it's no wonder they don't question it. It's been that way for 1,700 years. Are you with me? So don't judge somebody because they went to church on Sunday. We're not saved or lost by a day. Now, is it coming to the front? Will everybody be able to see what it means? Yes. The promise is... This message shall go to every nation, kindred, language throughout the world. Nobody will misunderstand. They will have to make a choice. You want to know what the sad part of it is? Do you know who's going to force the issue? Not God. Satan. Satan will force it. How will he force it? He'll make laws. Enforcing the mark of the beast. Tomorrow night we're going to find out about this enforcer. But he's going to make laws to enforce his mark. And you'll either worship or you won't be able to buy or sell. If that don't work, he'll put you in jail. And if that don't work, he'll kill you. But everybody on the face of the earth is going to worship him that's alive. That's his gold. So who forces this? Not God. Satan. Why? Because the second and the fourth angel's message has gone out to the entire world. Pope John Paul II wrote his last letter. It's called the Apostolic Letter, direct from the Vatican. And by the way, whenever they write an apostolic letter, it is infallible. It is directly from God. Are you with me? That's what the Catholics believe. In this letter, I want to just read you a little bit. It's 144 pages long. You can go online uh, and print off the whole 144 pages if you want to. But in the day of worship paragraph called 66, I want you to look at what it says. Subparagraph 110. Sunday rest as a worker's right which the state must guarantee. Christians will naturally strive to ensure that civil legislation respects their duty to keep Sunday holy. Subparagraph 1 tell. Now tell me what he's calling for. Please tell me. Laws to enforce you to worship when? On Sunday. On Sunday. So we got paragraph number 79, subparagraph 126. Sunday is firmly established in what? And it must be supported by civil legislation. It gets its power, its seat, and its great authority from who? 
I will be God. Everybody will worship me. Many of the world's been worshiping me for years as the sun god. But now I'm Christian. Well, who's the enforcer tomorrow night? We'll find out. May surprise you. May turn some of your hair gray. But I, for one, want to worship the Creator, don't you? You know, that's what I want. My prayer every day is, please, Lord, live your life in me that I might be loyal to you. And that's what it's all about. Shall we stand together as we pray? Father, we thank you so very much that not only from your word, but even directly from this power, they have made it so clear. There's only two choices. Which God will we worship? One day points to him, and the other day points to you. Remind us, Father, we're not saved by a day. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If we keep a day, we keep it because we love you. And we are your people. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for making each one of us here your children. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.